caught you off guard there. Morning and welcome to oh, yeah. the Professional <laughs> Insights Podcast, um, Season Six, Episode. Don't know. We do it by invoice um, now. It's invoice, not episode. Oh, is it invoice now? Okay. Well, my name's Brandon Curry. Um, where's the rest of everybody? I'm there, you guys all. I'm Jeff Collins. Josh Bond, invoice three. Trevor Lindy. <laughs> <laughs> it's invoice eighteen right now. Okay, sir. Um. So, boys, Wait, should we talk um, about the Cheech and Chong cloud that's uh, hovering all of Niagara and, and New York right now, or where do you want to go? Right uh, into don't business? care. Don't don't really care about that, to be honest. I Have mean, you seen some of the pictures? Some of the pictures in New York, pictures, it's yeah. insane. Absolutely, it, it shows yeah, you how that's... good the carbon tax is working, right? Oh yeah. Well, well come on. <laughs> <laughs> should, we, should we double it or what? Should we double it's it? I think we should raise fires. it up. It's forest it. fires in Quebec that are that are clouding over New York. Well, City. and the the ones in Alberta were were uh, found to be arson too, eh? Oh yeah, because we if you look at a if you look at a Google map um, of the fire, you can see the guy setting it. You can see it. No, he's flicking a match. If you look at a Google heat map, it actually they all there's a couple natural ones that you can just tell they're natural, but then there's a couple of them like you know that all start at the same time and you're just sitting there going like that's got to be arson because nature just doesn't work like that like it just doesn't it doesn't happen especially with the carbon tax right um (laughs) what a goofball anyway i don't see um, trevor does have his justin trudeau shirt on today so similar government topic right i mean uh what jt shirt all the time i got a jt shirt justin (laughs) timberlake i mean if anyone is if anyone is actually um you know, watching an old recording or, you know, some people download our episodes and they don't. That's what people do on the weekends usually, right? They download our old right, episodes they, and, and watch they, it. And they go and garden or something. I binge don't know what watch. they do. Garden. Maybe. That's like party watch. stuff. Canada's burning. You can't build a nation on hate. <laughs> Thanks, Kendra. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, we were saying the... Um, yeah. Uh, True, we can't build a nation on it, it's, it's the day after. It's, it's uh, Thursday, June the 8th. We're, we're live today, but um, the day after the Bank of Canada graciously, wonderfully did us all a bloody favor and uh, increased the overnight lending rate. Isn't it just uh, about when everybody's about to renew their mortgages too? Like since they started it, the re- well, renewals are just starting to really trickle in right now. It's perfect time. So I mean, basically, I'll, I'll let uh, Trevor pull up some data. Um, I know he's got some of that because we were, oh, we were talking about it. You can tell he was reading Hello. the screen there. You see the look on his face? Yeah, you were doing well, I, I am trying to he's, figure out what, what happened looked, to my... Uh, it's a little cross-eyed there for a second. Is that what I look like? I'm trying to figure out what, what happened to Safari. It just all of a sudden decided to close. Mm, another Apple product. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Have you been using G- chat GTP bot there? It's taking a while. No, you know what? I actually did install. There's a way to put um, AI into your shortcuts on your iPhone. So it's mm. called um, like people are. It's Siri Pro, basically. So it's kind of neat. You say, you know, the hey, and then the word, and then say Siri Pro afterwards, and start to ask it to do shit. Yeah. Right. You mean poop? Exactly. Some PG of the things show. that. PG show, bro. Yeah. Some of the things on the AI are, are pretty crazy that people are doing, like get it to scary. write an article. Crazy yeah. and scary. Uh, Have you seen Maximum Overdrive or the Terminator? Have I? 
see AI's maximum overdrive. AI's taking over. So <clears throat> never looked at a right. transport truck the same way after that. Boys, the um the Bank of Canada overnight lending rate. Yep. Right. So the overnight uh the, the bor the bank's borrowing rate it's at five percent. The overnight 4. lending 75. rate four seven five. No, the, yeah. no, let me I know it's four point okay, seven right. five. The bank borrows at four point seven five plus a quarter of a basis point. So that's five. Um and we all know prime is roughly around two percent plus the overnight. So we got prime now at seven around six point seven five percent. Six ninety-five. It's two point two. Awesome. So uh yeah, it's super awesome. Just as the it's market's recovering. Awesome. Um I I I don't know. I've had clients call. Um, they're like, you know, what, what are your what's your take? Like, what do you and I go, I, I honestly I don't have any answers because the underlying, I don't know what data they're looking at. Um, I mean, we're hearing it from, you know, a bunch of us, as you know, we're uh, with the, <laughs> thanks, Kristen. Um, uh, the, uh, that's, a great, that's a great product right there. <laughs> I like that product. Yeah, thanks, babe. Yeah, really that. You got to uh, put it out there because... <laughs> Just she's something not I wrong. don't know if the listeners listeners she's not miss. wrong. Oh, she, I'm glad she's <laughs> killing herself laughing right now. Yeah. She's, just, she's dying laughing. Um, but if you've got I've got clients who are just basically, you know, I, I just how do we how do we connect them. this to the government spending like banshees? Can we connect this to the government spending oh, like banshees during the pandemic? Right? Like is it are, are um, we feeling the these effects as a direct result of their frivolous spending uh throughout yeah so basically so we'll, this is what we know there's a an economist we've touched this on 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 our podcast before there's an economist called dr stephen hankey um and he was interviewed by john stewart and the the podcast is uh, for john stewart's podcast which is the problem with is john, john stewart, stewart. And it's a two-hour podcast. It's a really great one. I sent it to Trev. Trev, you know, listened to it. I listened to it. It was it was great. I highly suggest that you guys look look at look at it because, you know, what I really liked about it was um, John Stewart asked very, you know, asked questions, very practical, pragmatic questions or theories, you know, and also yeah. came back with some theories. I like and, Stewart. Um, Stewart's good, and he. Uh, you know, but in, in, in a common language way, do you know what I mean? Like it wasn't, mm -hmm. it wasn't a highbrow yep. conversation yep. and Stephen Henke, um, uh, came back and rebutted all of these bloody theories and a couple of them being modern monetary theory. Um, and also the, the spending and increasing the money supply. And he did some research and he went all the way back to about the mid Trev, correct me. I think it's the mid fifties or sixties where he went back worldwide and looked at monetary policy. So for any of our listeners that are out there or, or video viewers. So there's two things that you're going to hear a lot of, you're going to hear monetary policy. So when you hear monetary, think money and who prints money, the bank or the central bank of that particular country. So that particular institution in Canada's case, it's the bank of Canada in the U S's case, it's called the federal reserve. In both of those cases, they are in charge of interest rates and monetary policy. You then hear something called fiscal policy. 
fiscal, think year, think a fiscal year. Well, who's in charge of tabling budgets and spending in a fiscal year? Well, that's the government of the day. So in this particular case, it'd be the Liberal Party of Canada for the federal fiscal policy. And in Ontario's case, it would be the Progressive Conservatives uh, for the Ontario fiscal policy. Um, when Stephen fiscally, fiscally it, sorry, fiscal year could could start any time throughout the calendar year, right? But yeah. it ends. That's why. One so, like Canada's, later. so the pro uh, the the province of Ontario and the federal government, the, their fiscal year is April first. Fiscal year ends March thirty first. Yeah. So you'll always have a budget being tabled in around March. Here's the thing. Here's the kicker. The kicker is. Um, when he looked at it at a macro level, meaning a countrywide level, for every 2% they increased uh, the, the money supply. So they somehow injected that into the economy through different, different measures. Inflation grew at approximately 1%. So there's usually a 2 to 1 ratio of growth that ends up happening between increasing the money supply... Mm -hmm and inflation. So to put into perspective, if the Bank of Canada wants to allow inflation to grow naturally, well, then they can just let it just let supply and demand happen, or you can artificially do it. And if 2% if is your target, you increase the monetary supply by 4% to get a 2% inflationary rate. Now, when you circle back, and you look at how many how much money was spent during COVID, $400 billion just in Canada alone. And they're still spending and money is still going out. What ends up happening is um, that artificially uh, puts fuel on the fire of a fire that's already burning, raging hot with inflation. So Trevor brought up a great point. Both him and I, um, for various reasons, one, Trevor, you've been on a wait list for your car for the longest time as, as I have as I have as well truck and, right but all of those deposits on those, the car, in my case, I also uh, went and I, 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 we, we talked about this before my road bike got stolen right from my garage while I was home. It was, so yeah, this happened back in August. Um, so I had to get a new one and couldn't find a, a half decent priced old one. So, or used one. And I made that deposit back in like late November, December, and I just got it two weeks ago. Right? Wow. Did it get so, stolen yet? No, it hasn't gotten stolen yet. Um, but it's crazy that that would happen, though. It happened to me too. I lost my mountain bike. It was nine thirty yeah. at night. It still wasn't dark. Somebody scooped it right um, out of my garage. Let's not even talk about that stuff. No, no. But yeah, yeah. I think I think I think Jeff has Jeff Jeff has his beat there. Yeah. Um, no, he doesn't. What are you talking about? <laughs> Have they found the guys yet? Yeah, they look like you. Here, uh, this they is look what like we're gonna axe throwers. Okay, th this is back to the the, the topic. I think, guys. Okay, let's just. Yeah. You bro, you're you're on a roll there. I I mean, I I want to. Well, no, no, I I want to understand yeah. that other one percent and how when monetary policy we supply that two percent in. We, we in, infuse an additional 2%. So because a couple <clears> things <throat> happen. Policy. So, we, so what ends up happening is, is when you increase money supply. So basically an economy works in, in like an ecosystem, mm -hmm. right? 
So money is put a, a fixed amount or what was back in 1971 under the gold standard, all the money that was printed for the economy was linked to how much gold you had in reserves. Well, that got delinked back in 1971. So now you're just basically relying on fiat currency, which is the US greenback or the Canadian dollar. And you're, you're relying on good faith that these debts will be paid and, and, and the economy will continue to grow. And, and there's nothing to say that it won't happen. But when you start printing money or when you start borrowing from other countries and converting their currency into your currency, you're now injecting more money into the money supply. Well, a couple things happen. When there's more of something, but the demand stays the same, the value of that thing relative to another thing, in this case, the US dollar, decreases, right? Because there's more of it, yep. supply and demand. Yep. Yep. So your currency gets devalued. If your currency gets devalued, especially in the worldwide uh, currency, which is essentially the US dollar, um, your purchasing power for imports goes down because your currency is worth less because I can't buy as much U.S. dollars. Yeah. So okay. if I can't buy as much U.S. dollars as I could yesterday, the things that I need to buy today cost more Canadian dollars because I got to buy more. It costs me more for U.S. dollars to buy that very thing from, let's say, the U.S., China. It doesn't matter. It's all in U.S. dollars. So that also increases the cost of the good coming into the country, which increases inflation. Right. That's how it basically yep. goes. Yep. Yep. The other thing now, that happens. You... Sorry, keep going. Sorry. Right? Okay. So then the other thing that happens, this is so for any economist that's watching, I know it's much more complicated than this. And I'm not saying I'm a Stephen Hankey, but it's just something it's in this is at least the 10,000 feet view of, of how it all works. Now, then what ends up happening is you give people money that isn't correlated to anything, meaning they didn't have to do anything to get it. Mm -hmm. So CERB in Canada would be one, mm -hmm. one, one, one thing. Well, if all of a sudden I'm used to a, like a 16, 17 year old is living at home, was working part-time and let's say they were grossing about $2,000 a month, along comes COVID. All right. Well, that person still has the same uh, expenses as they had before. But now because their hours are gotten dropped and you're allowed to make up to $1,000 a month to get CERB, you can now get, instead of 2,000 gross by working what you used to work, you're now making 3,000 gross. And I know what people are going to say, well, you got to pay it back or it's going to get taxed. That is true. However, as we're seeing right now, CRA is trying to go after these people that claimed that shouldn't have claimed and they're having a lot more hard over time getting their money back than they did before. The second thing is, regardless, it's still a year later. And this is what Trevor usually harps on. Whenever you increase money supply or have any fiscal policy, it takes about 12 months for it to work through the system. So what Trevor bare and minimum. I did, bare months. minimum, bare minimum. So we got, we make deposits on my bike or Trevor makes a deposit on his car. It takes him two years to get the car. It takes me eight, six, eight months to get the bike. Okay. But that purchase doesn't get registered six to eight months ago, or in Trevor's case, two years ago, 
which is the data that the Bank of Canada is using, the purchase gets registered in today's month. So the Bank of Canada goes, whoa, they don't know it on a granular level, but yeah. they're just like, but in this case, you know, they just bought a brand new truck and then, and then Curry brought a, bought a brand new bike. Well, we, we bought it a while ago when we made a decision based on that eight months ago, based on the current f uh, financial situation, we didn't make that decision today. So you committed, you committed eight months ago. Yeah. I committed in my case, I committed ago. last January to buy right? the truck. I just took yeah. delivery on it. So I'm going to go into, into June's data. June's so data for it, car sales. You got it. It's all yesterday. Yeah, yeah. but it, it's all it, nice. It's Good for all you. All delayed. It's all delayed, right? So now, yeah. but the problem yeah. is, they're using data in order to make their decisions, like CPI data. But the thing is, is these decisions, these purchasing hmm. decisions, have been made months and months and months ago. When you decide to buy a house, that's really nice. When you decide to buy a house, you make a, a house purchase two to three months before or you apply for a mortgage you know you try to lock in a rate maybe six months before or whatever the case yep. may be you try to get these approvals before and then all of a sudden you get penalized for a decision you made three or four months ago based on the on the economic conditions that were three four eight in trevor's case 18 months ago should you order so, your new truck now trev hmm should you order your next Sorry. truck now, Jeff? I accidentally muted myself somehow. Uh, no, I wouldn't. It, it, it's a joke. Knowing what, well, 450 basis points? Come on, man. Yeah, that's crazy. The interest is crazy. So, And you get caught like that, right? You get caught. I feel bad for people that got caught in, 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 in that situation. Like, you know what? Like, if you're playing, if you're playing the variable fixed mortgage rate and you got caught, well you know what, you knew that there was a chance that you can get caught, right? But I mean, if you're going and you're buying a vehicle and you're expecting delivery within, you know, a few months and then this shit happens, you don't get it for 18 months, man. Did you get the interest rate from 18 months ago or did you get today's interest no, rate? No, and that's what we keep... See, this that's the bullshit. Today's rate. Right? No, so because this... Here's the, here's the real kicker. So although the deposit went down last January mm -hmm. and the contract was negotiated... Um, because you lost all the interest on that deposit too for a year and a half. Lost, yeah, yeah. And so, <coughs> as soon as the model year changes, done. So I went from no ordering the 2022 in January, and and they essentially told me that expect a you know at the very earliest July August delivery, more likely in the fall. So this is still 2022. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. okay but at I, least that's what you go into with, right? Yeah, and then all of a sudden, nope, you know, fall is here. No, sorry, you're going to be getting a 2023. Said, did you bring up the interest rate concern at all at the time too? Or did you just not even think about it? No, nope, 100%. Given and? what I do for a living, it was on my mind the whole time. What did they tell I'm, you? They told me there is nothing they can do about it. Toyota Canada, Toyota Credit Canada will not play ball. But you got what a pretty good you trade in on your, on your old truck, right? You got a good buyout, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't, so I don't that understand. That's quite a bit of the interest, right? Yeah. No, no, no. Like, look at on your buyouts, what, when the pandemic started, I tell you, I went and seen somebody in terms of the value of, of my little Lexus uh, 300 there. And they said you get about 15 grand for it. Mm -hmm. 
I Googled it. Right now I can get about 25. Yeah. Yeah. So trade-in values are... Through the roof. Which offset the interest the a little too, bit right? right there too, right? Yeah, so but here's the thing it. though. Like, it, but, you can't uh, get but, both. But, like, but here's the problem. When was the, the trade-in value though? Was the trade-in value yesterday or was the trade-in value 18 months ago? Yesterday. Yeah. yeah. So you did okay. good there. Yeah. 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 But at the same time, the trade-in value last year when we did up the paperwork in January was $9,000 more than it was yesterday. Today. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It was so $9,000 more. These things, people like, oh. people like, oh, they're spending. Well, so yeah, they're spending twice. because there's, but these people are spending. They're spending on excess income. So you have that 17, 18 year old kid that turned around and got an yeah. extra $1,000 every month to live at home in their mother's basement or people that were double dipping on multiple social programs that, that shouldn't have. It wasn't tied to anything. It was stay at home. Here's some money. Okay. Well, what did they end Free up cash. doing? They just ended up, they just ended up turning around and uh, spending the money and just driving up inflation. So that's the other thing that happened, supply and demand. Well, but I think the biggest inflation drive up was improving people's houses though, right? Cause they were stuck at home. So it's the fences that went up and the decks that went up and all that stuff and the floors and the kitchens and all that and the pools, right? The pools, 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 saunas, hot tubs. Those were through the roof. Contributed, right? Yeah. I know, but the little kid who got the extra thousand bucks a month, how much did it really do? It's the people who couldn't go on vacation and and probably not buy cars. They had this excess cash. Fuck, I'm home all the time. I got to do something here. So no, so there's that piece. But when you look at it, as a whole, no, I'm not saying that the 17 year old with the extra thousand dollars, that is just one example mm-hmm. of that money got spent when normally they probably would never would have spent that extra thousand dollars. Sure. But, but yeah, I mean, and that's the, a thousand bucks a month, it, right? It's I mean, the trades right. people though, that 20 grand. they went through the roof on their, on their labor costs yeah. because there's so much demand to get stuff done at home. Like it was unreal. Well, yeah. not only that though, but here's the other thing. During, if we all remember in the province of Ontario back in 2016 with the provincial government of the day, the liberal government of the day, they wanted to take the minimum wage and go from around 11, uh, I think it was like $12 and 25 cents or something an hour and jump it up to 15 and then subsequently Mm -hmm. jump it up to just over 16. And then our current provincial government right now, the conservatives uh, went and they jumped it up to now this coming October, it's going to be 1655. Then they also turned around and went to all the servers and said, Oh no, it's just one flat rate for a server now or for a minimum wage. You don't get a multiple. So these servers who are making around 1125, 1150 an hour, literally five years ago are now making 1655. Their minimum wage, which a server doesn't even look at it, this uh, from coming from a server, it just goes into my bank account. Like it just went into my bank account, right? It grew by 50%. So you took the number one cost in any organization, which is labor, Mm -hmm. and jacked up the floor by 50% to a restaurateur or to a normal person. It went up around 42 or 38 to 42% since 2015. Well, what's going to happen? It just takes a couple of months before the the, the business owner turns around and goes, I'm passing this on to the customer. So that turns around in prices increase and inflation goes through the roof. It's, 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 it's math. It's economics. This is not anything how I feel or, or all this type of thing. This is how, this is what happens when you 
willy-nilly and you arbitrarily increase the money supply or increase minimum wage without any correlation to anything. But then what ends up happening? Okay, well, now you have a server making $16.50 an hour. I know that I've got a couple of clients that were PSWs in the province of Ontario. Okay? Yep. A PSW before the pandemic was, I think, starting without any, with no experience was around $18 an hour, if my memory serves me correctly. Well, they didn't get a 38 to 40% pay increase. So who the heck wants to change diapers at 18, that's 19, a fucking $20? Tough, that, sorry, that's right? a tough it's a job, job, man. It's a job. No, I'm not saying it's not, but who wants yeah. to change diapers at yeah. 18, 19, $20 an hour? getting abused in an old age home no. by, you know, you're working no. with people with dementia and with, with illnesses. Yep. Yeah. And it's crazy. Yet someone, some, some 17 year old kid is getting paid 1655 an hour and tips to say to, to, to plus tips or just 1655 an hour to go. Do you want fries with that? Yeah. And so, a PSW PSW has got to go to school too. Hundred percent, and then then okay. the PSW wages have to go up. Okay, well unions, rightfully so, use the minimum wage as a as one of their indicators as to how high or how much the delta needs to be between minimum wage and their and the the specific um, uh, position that they're negotiating for. Well, what do you think nurses are going to do? Rightfully so. They're, an RPN can't start at 23 anymore. They got to go 27, 28. So it just goes all the way down the line to the point where, okay, then my taxes go up. So like it, it, it has such a massive knock-on effect that to what Trevor and I have been saying, this is why it takes 12 to 18 months in order for something to work itself through the system mm. because- yeah. Everything has, it's a yin and a yang. Everything has. So, so you're saying the nine interest rate raises last year haven't worked its way through the system yet? And they're already starting to now, starting to now. Well, what has happened? I know you're saying that sarcastically, uh, but it, no. but it's, it's no, they haven't. Right. We're not going to see the effects of, of actually, we won't see the effects of these until probably end of this year, beginning of next. Yeah. Realistically, spring, like spring talked, next year. well, we've talked about it before, right? As they increase rates, it's a minimum of eight to 12 months. Right. But realistically, it's more like 18 to 20. We need six to eight quarters, which is 18 to 24 months to actually feel the impact of what they've done. And yeah. unfortunately, because like everything else, the government always does things along the lines of let's focus on demand, not supply. Look what it's doing to the housing market. We talked, I'm pretty sure we talked about it in a past episode. Do you know why the CPI went up to 4.4 in April from 4.3 in March? Housing cost and rent, hmm. right? So mortgage rates are up. So those yep. that are renewing, those that are in variable rates, their payments are up. And in turn, those people renting, landlords are asking more money for the rental space. Vacancies at an all-time low, unemployment's at an all-time low. What do we do? Cost goes up. So the very thing that the Bank of Canada is trying to reverse, inflation, lower it down, they are directly impacting now by increasing it. And the pricks did it again yesterday. And 
to take it one step further, there is a high likelihood that they birthday present. They'll go by another quarter point as a birthday present to you, Jeff, on July 12th. Woo! Raise those rates. That's their next meeting. And like the part that drives me absolutely nuts is you've got the governor of the Bank of Canada making close to half a million dollars a year on taxpayer money, controlling the livelihood of the 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 low peasants, you know, the middle class. Fuck, there is going to be no more middle class the way it's no, going. it's going, it's gone, no. man. It's on its, it's way gone. out. Like I mean, it's, it, here's it's some it's data terrible. for you guys. Here's some data. Be, for you. Before you get into the data, Curry, what I wanted to comment on is you got a higher minimum wage there, but you got to compact that with since the pandemic, less people want to work too, and yep. they want to work so less, right? Yep. So unemployment's right down in the gutter there, right? So to, to, to put this into perspective, in 2021, according to the census backgrounder for the GTHA, so the Greater Toronto Hamilton area. So Toronto, you could say, uh, you know, obviously Vancouver's in this mix and Montreal's in the mix and stuff like that is one of the most expensive cities to 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 live in. So in 2021, the median, not the mean, the mean is the average. You don't use averages because it can, they can get very easily skewed. So the median or the most popular income most in 2021, occurring. yes, in the in the in the city of Toronto was eighty four thousand dollars, and that increased by eighteen thousand since twenty sixteen. All right, so the lowest of all the regions. Um, um, this is the lowest of all the Greater Toronto and Hamilton regions. The highest was in Halton at one hundred and twenty-one thousand. So I've got a client um, uh, that um, uh, Trevor and I uh, both have spoken to each other about uh, mutual client, and this particular client is applying for a potential promotion, right? And the promotion, if this person gets it, would be a twenty percent increase. Twenty percent increase 20 percent raise yep which is a huge promotion okay if if they get it to put that into perspective before any other deductions or anything of that nature all right so this person would be making higher than the median income Mm -hmm. in toronto um and around the the if they get this position around the halton region right it is that's to, to put that into context Okay, just factoring in federal, provincial tax and CPP and EI. Okay, so I'm not factoring in any other deductions because the client doesn't know what the deductions would be for group benefits, long-term disability. Is it WSIB uh, applicable? We don't know. Or is there a, a, a pension contribution? We don't know those answers. So I just ran numbers for them uh comparing old salary versus potentially this promotional salary the difference in after-tax income is four hundred dollars every two weeks with a 20 percent pay increase forty dollars that's four hundred dollars every two weeks so that's essentially i mean i can tell you with our family our family of four we're looking at around uh Weekly groceries, I don't think we can get weekly groceries under $200. Yeah. 
So essentially oh, that that entire that entire raise is going to groceries. Just groceries. So the family is not any is not significantly better, better off. off. Hmm. Because the tax rates haven't changed. So you're in that you're 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 in that the, between the 70 and 130,000 I can and I can't even believe this is coming out of my mouth for people that are listening. Don't don't mistake in what I'm saying as as I'm just throwing this away. This is this is not good. So that 70 to 120, 130,000 dollars a year, you're basically within the median income in Toronto and in Halton in Ontario. Is that individual um, or household uh Individual, you know, okay. Oh, uh, good question, Bondo. Oh, great catch. I I misspoke. Very good catch. The median total household income. So, if you're making more than eighty four thousand dollars a year in twenty twenty one, you're higher than the total household median income in Toronto. And. This person is just like, oh my god! So you, you, people like because the tax rates are so high, are high relative to the income at oh, it's at crazy. those levels. Like it's crazy. Like yeah. I ran it for this person, and I I told them, okay, um, basically, if you stay at your current job, right, for every one hundred dollars that you make in extra salary you're going to be taxed at $38 or 38%. So your net take home before any other deductions is 62 bucks. If this person gets the promotion um, for every extra $100, they get taxed at $43 or the net is now 57. Now that having been said, it's terrible, but those are instances where somebody like yourself could maybe assist, right? Like in, Rolling some of this money into, a, you know, an RRSP or, you know, different strategies that you can create that lowers hopefully that tax bracket, right? Like, you well, know, so correct. here just for not, for it still doesn't, it still, still smells like shit, right? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that it, it doesn't smell like shit, that that's the, the position that you're in, that it's a 20% increase to just flush out, right? Essentially is what you're saying. Curry, so given the current state of everything, how often are your clients coming to you and saying when they're in that position, they're getting more money? They're like, oh, great idea. I'm going to invest more right now. Who's actually bumping up their investments? They're not. I they're potentially no, cutting no. them back, right? Yes. Or, or they're Correct. remaining so basically the same. We're going out actively now and increasing packs and, uh, or monthly, but we're actively going out and doing yeah. it. Yeah. And nobody actively comes to me very, very rarely and goes, I want to increase my monthly contributions. Very rarely. <laughs> Does not yeah, happen. but I mean, even you proactively going out and having the conversation with the client when yeah. they're in that position and they've got more income coming in, are they eager to turn around and say, yeah, that's a great idea. No. I'm going to do it. No, right very now, rarely. given how how financially tight everybody's life is in one way or another, Nobody's investing more money at this moment. But this is the time that you have to be investing more, right? This is the time where you oh, should be. It is. Oh, really there is. are people that do do but that. When, uh, but, when most sure. people would, but when most people turn, but to Trevor's point, when, when you're looking at getting a, a promotion, so you get an increased job, um, yep. 
you know, job responsibility. Yeah. This is not a, that, that's a significant something to consider. Like I've yeah. always said to people, listen, don't do a job change. Don't do a promotion unless you get at least a 10% bump in pay. And the reason being is because when, this is exactly why when you factor in the taxes before any other contributions, you're not left with a lot at the end of the day. So this person is considering a 20% increase in their pay. Um, and it pays for groceries. That's, that's pretty much what their response was. So basically my gross without any other deductions, cause I don't know what they are. I did the math for them, right? We ran it through. Yeah. And yeah. So this person goes, so basically groceries are covered. And I went, yep. Groceries. So you're getting all this, this, this extra, uh, responsibility just, just mm. to break even on the grocery bill every two weeks. That's not including a Costco trip. That's not including anything like, you know, and so to your point, to Trevor's point, what Trevor's saying is, okay, now that you should be like, okay, well now I have an extra in this particular case, $400 every two weeks. Maybe I should start, you know, putting money away. Bondo, you're right. But logically they turn around and go, well, wait a second to, to what Jeff started off the, the, the call with today was, okay, gas prices are through the bloody roof. Um, car prices are through the bloody roof. Just everyday living is through the bloody roof right now. Mm. So I don't know if I can start putting money away. Like, I don't know. And I go, that's fair. And you can't make that decision until you, A, have the job, B, start seeing what a pay cycle looks like. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's pretty, pretty, it's bad right now. Like, and I, I, um, I don't know, like Trevor and I talk all the time about this because we mutually swap clients and, and stuff like that. As you guys all know, the four of us all do that. It's, it's. That actually sounded pretty dirty. If you're bringing swap, eh? The swap part of it, eh? It's I didn't seem dirty at all to me. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> Trevor, you got a bad mind now. I, I, at first I didn't, but now that in second thought, yeah, for sure. I'm with well, you. Now he's, now he's planted the seed of but his even, perversion. Well, well, Jeff, Jeff, like he's What seed are you like, talking about, Jeff? Are you being perverted? No. No. <laughs> Wholesome. So, Jeff, go, like, the, the, converse, the conversations that you were having you know, pre 2022 or maybe even pre 2023 with your new builds. Mm -hmm. uh, what, what are the conversations that people are having now? Cause there's still people that need housing. Well, it's, it's interesting cause we've got a bunch for sale that are done and they're not going, but we've got tons of people that want to custom build with us right now. Cause they think it's a, a better value. They can get a bit ahead, right? If they're building on their own land. So I've got three or four clients right now that want to build on their own land. And we've got five townhouses that are done at great prices. And I don't know how this interest rate change is going to affect that or not. Like the market was just, a, this is the biggest thing. The resale market took off. The new build market didn't. The new build market, the, the builders that I know are all just sitting there waiting for theirs to sell. And they're not really moving right now. So it's interesting. Not 50 Demaeus says foursome's coming to premium. <laughs> Yeah, Thanks. it costs you your marriage usually. <laughs> yeah, that would cost you marriage. <laughs> I think that's like a ninety-five percent marriage uh, dissolve when you get a foursome. And how that's many would how much how many would take how many would take that role for one, one of those opportunities? Eh? A foursome. Uh, <laughs> foursome. No, thank you. Yeah, I just get messy really, really quick. No. 
Um, yeah, so it's it's just really it's crazy what's happening right now. Um, and then Trevor, you think that they're still leaning and still actively considering a rate increase in July? We'll see what yep. the outcry is from this one right there. What what outcry is coming, bud? We'll see. Honestly. When this hits Who's New gonna Zealand, listen? our podcast, the Who's New Zealanders gonna are going to be up in arms. That's true. <laughs> it's all because of this podcast. You watch. You have no idea what this is going to do after today, Kev. Just us talking about it now. You it's, don't think Trudeau's listening to this and Tiff Macklin? You right don't now? think we can influence the government? Tiff, get your shit together, bro. Yeah, that's right. I'm not going to do anything about it. Well, with that they've been, they've been not- charged. They've been charged with one task. To get inflation restored to 2%. And they're using their 1920s playbook to do it, right? They're not updating it at all. No, that's right. And why 2%? It's, it's, why not 2.5 or 3? Originally, well, a dart at a dartboard. Exactly, right? So, it is it wildly frustrating to see, like, you know, to, you know, Jeff's comment, we're coming into... Uh, the slow time in the market of the summer. Well, so July is usually dead for real estate. Right. It's not dead for any other reason than people enjoying the weather, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But but we'll Family see. Time. We can go outdoors for the next month because of the wildfires that are going. Welland just banned open air open air fires just now. You can't even have a backyard fire anymore until this is all passed through. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that every region is going to do that as a, as a region. Because... Makes sense. Well, it's yep. crazy that those New York um, pictures is insane. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to. Um, Monty to, and Laura to... just went to New York City today. Ooh, morning. That's not a good time to yeah, go. yeah, they they had a vacation plan like you and Jill had. Oh, we we went perfect timing. Couldn't have been. It was the best best ever. Yeah, and they're Book they're of Mormon. If you haven't seen it, go see Book of Mormons. The uh, I have yeah. never laughed so hard. His. At a play. Monty and Laura's niece is actually singing at Carnegie Hall. No choir. Yeah. So Skiba's daughter. Yeah. 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 So they're off to New York city for that. So they didn't have a choice. This is the time they have to go because his niece, their niece's daughter, uh, niece's Skiba's oldest. Uh, you know what? I don't know. I don't know. Has to be because the little one's only like four. Okay. So yeah, then it'd be the oldest. Yeah. Carnegie Hall. You know what? That that trip no me way. and my wife went on was was probably one of my I favorite trips she ever. Was, uh, she had that talent. Sorry. Yeah. If you, if you haven't been in New York, you got to go. That's it's just the place that does not sleep. New it York and Vegas. Just, you have to check those yeah. places out. Vegas is next Vegas. on the trip. Yeah, yeah. You got to check. Vegas those is next. So. Yeah. Jeff has so, some comments, I think, about the the new builds and stuff like that that he had. Uh, no, I was going to air some some grievances. <laughs> That's about it. But oh, okay, okay. Well, no, I thought well, you, were you know, what, remember me and Curry talked about this last night. I think we should bring this up, Curry, because Curry, Curry's a big, uh, you know, loves the idea of one Niagara. And yesterday, when you brought that up, I really liked the idea, just from a, a point of pushing new builds so, through. Because the big thing go, right now is we need more houses, Jeff, more Jeff, houses, more houses. Blah blah blah. I, I, I agree, Jeff. Do. But before you got to give everyone, you got to remember, we're, we're, we have a huge following in Zimbabwe. Oh, in yeah. New Zealand, right? So can you Zimbabwe. please people, go ahead, Zimbabwe. <laughs> can you please uh, explain to our viewers and our listeners in Bali, right? Um, Belize. What do we talk? What are we talking about? What are you talking about? Put it in layman's terms. We're just talking about getting the ability to build a house. That's no, it. no, no. When you say one Niagara, what does it mean? Oh, 
Well, you're, I think, all of Niagara's biggest pusher for that, so I give you the, the floor. This was a big push um, two, three years ago, I think, right? And it should come back up. Um, okay, well, first we'll just, uh, we'll, we'll, we got a couple, one question here. Uh, do you guys have any sense of, a, of an untapped basement apartment rentals up among urban homes? I'm, I'm not sure if you if you refer to the fact that you can now add accessory apartments or, or convert houses to duplexes now, and it's and not garden suites. It doesn't have to be zoned anymore, and you can add granny suites and garden suites. That's the new big push, and to me, it, it's a it's a huge game changer. For example, I'm selling a property on Babian Road right now in in Port Coburn. It's ten acres. And there's significant interest in it because everybody thinks they can sever it and make 10 one-acre parcels. That can't happen. But what can happen is now, if you want to buy that house and add a granny suite, which is, if you want to do a 2,000-square-foot house, you could. You just can't sever it to have two addresses. But if you want, say say you're a 45-year-old couple and you've got mom and dad who are a 65- to 70-year-old couple, you want to sell their house kind of help them out with, you know, topping up their pensions. So they take that money. You could build a house on their property that is like 1A and 1B, the two houses. You can't sever the two houses. And that's considered like a garden suite or a granny suite. Garden suite's more of, there's no room in the backyard in Toronto. They want to add a little bit of a so 200 square foot house. Can no I chime in on that? that? No, you can can't. I chime in? So that, Anybody that but all... Trevor, please. Okay, no, no, no. <laughs> no but this is important. So the okay, fact well, that then. you can the fact that you can build on a lot, you're not allowed to sever the lot. So when that individual goes to sell it, if they are still unable to sever the lot, when it comes to, to getting mortgage financing, guess what? Second property worth zero dollars because they will only lend on the primary residence and a detached garage. No outbuildings, no second suites, nothing. The value will so, be so then the first time alone. buyers can't do it, but a second time buyer could who's looking for a property like that, right? You'd have to have a bigger down payment then. So well, you've got to be looking dollars, at it as like a duplex almost, right? Yeah, but but you're buying a million dollar property, you're gonna have to put down 300 grand yourself. Yeah, yeah. So, but then first time buyers aren't buying that type of property. No, I know, but when you're pricing out the house in the future and saying, hey, this is great value because you've got this property worth X and this property worth Y. So because you've got, you know, this little suite that's worth maybe $200,000 from a real estate value, if it was a separate piece of property, because that's how you're going to price it as a realtor. And this main one at $750,000. So bottom line is this is worth 950 grand. Not going to happen. No, it I will be valued on the 700 grand. Yeah. But what, why would it not happen? I think it's still going to be market values appreciated. It doesn't matter if they can get the finance or not. If they have their own money for it, correct. it's just whether or not they can get a mortgage for that. Sure, there are going to be people out have, there that can buy that cash. Yes, but sure, if they, they have, I think the footprint's got to be smaller, right? Because you can't have that big of a granny suite, right? No, I I know, but if, like, but if you and really it, it comes into it's going to be municipal red tape too, because there's a building envelope on every lot of where you can build or how much you can build. Correct. For example, in Welland, it's forty five percent of the lot. Yeah. In Fortier, it's thirty percent of the lot. Yeah. But you can still get a minor variance on that to increase that size. Mm -hmm. So what they're doing in Toronto is doing that because they have no room or anything anywhere. Yep. They do have family members who want to live on the, on the site. And then you have, say, a 50-year-old couple who have the, the, you know, uh, the money to do it, and they want to bring mom home, but they don't want her under the same roof. They want to give her a little bit of privacy. So they'll build 
and it might not even cost that much to do in the backyard. It's almost like a pool house you could build, right? Slab it could on be done range. on slab. You could have like electric heat or whatever. Yeah. But the Cold. fact that you're saying you're not going to get the value for it. No, no, you might not get the mortgage. You'll still get the value for it. 100% you would. But you're the, the point I'm making though is harder to move. You're not going to be, gonna be get, hard to get the financing for it. But harder, and the reality is, if you can't finance it, then how are you going to sell it, right? Because statistically, how many people get mortgages, right? I understand what you're saying. The value of the property is still there. You're not. But you're looking at mortgages, and a lot of people look at mortgages. Mortgages I look at are a lot of people who are buying are are, are first time buyers or second time buyers. You're a third or fourth time buyer. You're probably downsizing at that point. You might be, or you're playing with more, like with with sure with no mortgage whatsoever. But then, who? Which is this, a big chunk of the the market in Niagara. Now this income suite, though, who's the income suite going to benefit most? Well, it might not be an income suite. It might be mom or dad moving in there yeah, but, and, and paying but, you rent with with pension. But if mom and dad are moving in there, that and we need to, we put mom, dad, you know husband, wife on the deal together, whoever we put them all on. Right. And we qualify the deal accordingly. But you, you could, might, I, I think you, might, idea, you could probably get it for just the, the primary house. Mom sells her house for $700,000. She gives, you know, you know Bill and, and Bobby Joe 200 grand. They build that garden suite in the backyard with that 200 grand. There's no mortgage needed whatsoever. And then she banks the extra 500 K. And, the, I don't think a mortgage point, is needed in these situations in most most cases. If you yes, go resell in the future, your purchasing well, that's pool the point is I'm smaller. Though, right? Your like, purchasing pool is smaller. But is it smaller because there's more and more people looking for this now? Without well, mortgage, it's real growing. Yeah. It's growing. I, I I agree that you know I I think the the ideology is that you you do these garden suites and you, you know you do you put your parents in or your 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 derelict brother or whatever that jackass that couldn't can't afford to to. To support himself, right? Yeah, like, that you goes know to what law I mean? school and tries to take over your practice. Yeah, that dirty bastard. <laughs> Not in my case. Don't but... be slandering John. Oh, it was all in good fun. No, I don't like that. There's so the a point bit of I'm making, every jab. What I'm trying to say though is, okay, value today, the future value, unless mortgage rules change, majority of people rely on getting a mortgage. Well, they need but you got to look at this situation so that's coming value up. This is going to support two properties. This is in its infancy right now. So right now, people aren't taking advantage, but I'm targeting that right now. I'm telling my builders that I represent who buy infills, don't ever sell an infill anymore as a new build. Turn it into a duplex because hmm. there's not enough brand new rentals out there. And the big change now with the rental control and the new builds, like you can sign a two-year lease now, right? Mm-hmm. If it's built after 2000, I think, what is it, 17 or 18 or 19? I thought it was 16, but I, I, don't quote me on that. Sign a two-year lease and their two years is up and they didn't sign an extension on it like that. Okay, we're jacking your rent. And it's not not on that small interest, right? So people are looking for, for new rentals and duplexes because they're not that 1920s duplex they have that has aluminum wire, a knob and tube wiring and asbestos and all that stuff. They want something new. And now the big changes in municipalities doesn't matter if it's zoned for a duplex anymore. As long as the square footage doesn't change, you can turn that that new build into a duplex. And that's a monster change in the build industry. Huge. Because there's a huge now, desire for more people out there to have these new rental properties. So the landlord's protected that if the values go up, you can still cover on a cap rate. 
Right now, you can't. Now, the only he, times I, I go to look people at can't house, afford to live anymore, right? I mean, there's got to be some solutions, well, and, and this and is one of the solutions. hates these landlords that charges these rents, but the landlord's got to pay the mortgage. And the interest, right? yeah. If it's not covering the mortgage, they're losing money monthly. Why keep it as a rental? Right? Because there but are some landlords that get into well, You've got someone who's lived there for 10 years, and they're paying $750 a month, and you know the value of the house is $600,000. That's not even covering half the mortgage. Not even close. Oh, you, how about how about we go? How about we go this go down? So if you can uh, talk about Niagara and talk about why you know the reduction of the red tape and and the potential like that's on the table right now in the news. It's not like we're not talking about something that's not in the news, but the potential amalgamation of some cities or all cities in Niagara. But as a builder, Jeff, can you just walk us through the different? <clears throat> don't name the municipalities, but. Um, definitely for people that aren't familiar with Niagara, there's 12 different municipalities plus a regional government, um, all have different bylaws, all have different, um, procedures, uh, all have different employees uh, who are running this too, right? It's so give an example, give an example between city A and city B in Niagara without because I don't want you to, you know, shoot yourself. Well, I'll, I'll just talk about the most recent experience we have right now. We're building products in a particular city. See how good I can be at being vague on this. One of the houses we have sold, they would like the basement to be finished. Okay? So keep in mind, we've already got the build permit. The house is done. Structure is all in place. Nothing needs to be engineered whatsoever. So when you're finishing a basement in Niagara, or probably and normally Ontario, you don't finish general, a basement on a new build. No, well, some people do. More and more builds do, right? The problem on a new build, if you don't finish the basement with the builder, you can't finish it for one year or you void warranty on the basement with the builder if you're a legal builder in Ontario, okay? So I can be very specific in what I talk about this and vague in which municipalities we're talking about. Really, when you're getting a permit, it's to protect the homeowner or the future homeowner that it's done right. And the reason you get a permit, you want to make sure the structure is done right. A basement permit, really all you need to is have the inspector come in before the drywall goes up to make sure it's framed properly. But the main structure for the house is already permitted on the house build, right? So no, when you're finishing a basement, you're not adding extra structure to support the house load. That's done. So really on a basement permit, the only engineering we need that's not even required by every municipality is an HVAC design. Because now where your heat registers are, some municipalities would like it on the ceiling blowing down. Some would like the registers come down to the wall because hot air rises. So they want it to come out closer to the floor so the, the hot air comes up. Really? You can go in some builds in Niagara. When I sell a house, I'm looking for resale and you can... See, in many basements, there's no cold air returns at all, right? Sometimes they don't even have heat registers in the basement. Sometimes they don't put heat registers, which is a very easy thing if you get a professional HVAC guy to do it. Or you'll see a lot of times there's electric baseboards to heat the basement because the hot air rises. So if you're applying for a build permit for a basement, really you need an HVAC design to show you where the heat registers and cold airs will go. That's about it, okay? And to be honest, a house inspector should be able to go there to in, in, investigate the permits before you close it and be able to say if it's done good or not, right? But they want to take the liability off the city 
and put it on the engineers. Okay, so we're applying for a particular basement permit. If you look on any municipality in Niagara, 10-day turnaround for a permit. Okay, because they want to show you we're trying to work with you. And if you think about it, as a builder, I'm not trying to, you know, praise our, our, our phrases and all that. But as a builder, you're creating tax revenue for the city by paying for a permit. So a six block of townhouses, we pay $210,000 in regional fees, development fees, permit fees to the city. Most cities are transparent about how much permit money they take in monthly right on their website. You can look it up. So on the one month that we apply for the permit, I think the total amount of permit money besides us was about $60,000. we are $206,000. Okay, plan for permit. Now for a basement permit, we now have a buyer who really wants it. They buy in May. They want to move in July. They want the basement finished. We negotiated a deal to get that done. We apply for permit on May 9th. So I have my HVAC design, we have our layout for the basement, okay, and we have a permit application handed in, okay? The problem in Niagara is most municipalities, not all of them, aren't paying to retain quality employees. So the employees are saying, this is bull, there's way too much stress for what I got to deal with, I'm going to go work private. I'll get paid more, less stress, okay? So they let them go and they, they hire a lot of times the worst of the worst, People who have been fired from other municipalities, but have a sliver of experience, even though it's bad, and they will hire them for it, okay? So they've done this. We apply for the permit, May 9th, May 11th, and I've got this all on emails and everything. May 11th, they looked at the permit and said, okay, we looked at your permit, no smoke detector in the one bedroom. We realized that. Okay, no problem. Smoke detector back in two hours, done. Then May 25th, they say, we cannot grant you a basement permit because you haven't severed all six properties for this. It's a slight site control plan for it. Our argument is, and this is incompetence in our mind, our argument is when we're getting the permits done on each individual unit, unit six is done, we're ready to drywall, we get an individual inspection for unit six. You're good to drywall, we drywall the next day. We apply for permit on a basement for unit six, and they say, no, we can't give you a permit because we haven't severed it. We say, what the F is the difference? It's individually inspected upstairs. Can't you grant us the permit for downstairs? Get it individually inspected downstairs. People cannot even move in until we have final occupancy permit. It's another stage of the inspections, right? So they say, no, we won't do it. And we're like, this is a city A resident who's moving to another city A resident property who now has that permit money created for this individual product. On top of that, it's going to be new property tax that's coming to the city on a yearly basis, where right now it's making about $300 a year. It's going to be probably $5,500 a year. All right. So really, this is increasing revenues for the city. 100%. So May they 25th. Gotta pick, they got to pick up a can of, an extra can of garbage. Well, May 23rd, after being, you know, applied for May 9th, May 11th, he says, you need a smoke detector. Give it to him right away. 23rd, I, what's going on with the permit? Oh, we can't do it until we have a severance done. Why the hell do you need a severance? We can't do it. Okay, May 25th, severance is complete. May 29th, they say, okay, we'll send it to RSM that we didn't even hear about on May 9th, which is a place that looks over stuff because the city can't handle this. 29th, they give it to them. 30th, they get it. And then our clients are losing their mind because they move in July 6th. 30th, they get it. They come back to us and say, 
you missed the signature on this application, which should have been looked at May 11th when they noticed the smoke detector wasn't there. 10 minutes later, give them the signature. No problem. Okay. Four days later, they come back. You're missing this stamp for it. We're like, what do you mean a stamp? The plan doesn't have a stamp. Okay. Well, in municipality B, we did it on a napkin. Municipality A, you need a stamp BCIN number from the architect. Why? There's no structure on it. We just need the stamp. Okay. Here's the stamp. 10 minutes later. You get back to me the next day. Okay, there's no statement beside the step. Statement basically says that I am registered with blah, 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 and I approve of this design. That's all they want. What the hell? We have a system, design system, which is a full paper taking responsibility for the design, signed by the architect. That's not good enough. Hand it to them 10 minutes later. So May 9th, we're at what? June 8th right now, 10-day turnaround for permit. Still don't have a basement permit in hand to close on July 9th. And our people are freaking out because they have no place to put their stuff. Their house is already sold. This is a resident of City A who's now increasing tax revenue for City A, you know, and they don't care. And our people are going to City A and begging and now calling the consulting company, begging for them to get it done. My partner has everything ready to board. He did the whole basement, pre-wire, HVAC, carpentry, everything. All we needed to do is board right now quicker than the five minutes it took to look over the application for it. And, and when we talked last night, Curry, you're, how's it going, Collins? I'm like, I'm stressed on my mind. This is just the tip of the iceberg about this stuff. But what you said made so much sense. If you had a one Niagara, you could have one overruling person to come up with policy for all 12 municipalities, expedite it, come up with something that makes sense, get permits through it. You know what? I'm a builder bringing you revenue and tax dollar, and a good quality builder for Niagara, not a, a matchstick house that blows over or anything like that, making your city better when it says 10 days. Don't wait till the 10th day to get me the permit. Get it done in three days. And because it should if be our, cheaper. If, if our permit is $206,000 for that month and the rest of your permits combined are sixty grand, who's precedent? Who should be precedent? And we're not even asking for special attention. Just do it in your 10 days. That's it. Give me a permit in 10 days so my business can can, can continue. Right. It, it would correct less, it would correct those unsavvy employees and possibly those unsavvy municipalities that don't maybe deal with development in their area or larger scale development on a regular basis, right? Well, I think I told only- you the story one time, Jeff, where I had to draft, I was up north, I had to draft uh, a subdivision agreement for a developer for the municipality because it had been that long since the municipality had actually entered into a subdivision agreement. But the, the most infuriating thing is we're building for another gentleman in this area. I'm going to try to keep it very vague. Yep. And we're doing a lot of the work. He applies for a basement permit. Two days he has it in hand. Yeah. Two days. We're going on a month right now and we don't have it. So is there the right a person. prejudice or a bias against our company? 100%. Because well, we are trying to scream to get the squeaky wheel some oil. And we're only doing that now because it's way past any form of, of relevancy to this company, the way they're operating for us to give us our permit or not. You know, like how infuriating is that? And, and, and the bigger thing is this same municipality, and I'm not naming it, we apply for a permit on semis. Want to so bad, eh? <laughs> oh my God, I would love to. Same municipality applying for a permit on semis, which we've closed on. 
for land, $700,000. And let me tell people, when people are, are, are upset about the interest rates, when you're building and you have lower terms on it, your interest rates are anywhere on a great deal at 8% to 12% or higher right now. So 8% on $700,000, we apply for a permit. I'm sorry, as the city, we actually rezoned the property. You can't build semis on that property. We're accidentally rezoned. WTF, what do you mean? <laughs> oh, we see what happened. I'm like, where's the public notice? Because if you change the zoning in a municipality, there's got to be a public notice board up. Nothing. We've been there the whole time. Draft plan approved. Draft plan approved. All the zoning's in place. It's approved by the city. We accidentally change the zoning. Okay, no problem. Revert it. No, we can't do that. We got to go through the process with the council and everything. Expect two to three months. Okay, no problem. Let's calculate with three months Not of no seven hundred thousand dollars at eight percent cost. Fifty six hundred a month. Fourteen thousand dollars. Sorry about that. Eat that fourteen grand. Sorry about that. And when you're in a pandemic and you're coming out of it, has the market changed on a dime at all in the last two years? So when it goes downhill and you're expecting $900,000 a unit and now you're at $800,000 a unit and that three-month delay when we could have had it sold versus when we did it had sold, the potential for loss on that is not the $14,000 on your carrying costs, which is just the tip of the iceberg. It could be the fact that we lost anywhere from fifty dollars to $100,000 on each unit on two units because of incompetence. And this one Niagara thing, if done properly, the top of the food chain, you could have the best of the best taking care of this stuff and overlooking everything because shit trickles down. If you have a bad leader, everyone else underneath you is just garbage. Yeah. You get a top dog up there who's doing it right for all 12 municipalities and you can pay him properly and retain him. And then you have good policy made for all 12 policies. Then they could say 10 days and it's, it's not even questionable whether or not we turn it around. So here's a very simple way to do it. I've got a permit for you. I hand it to you, Curry. You work in the front desk. You have a checklist of everything on that permit. Is it all here? No, it's not here. On day one, you need this, this, and this. Quick review. You get these three things for it. We'll have everything 10 days start now. So really, it's not starting day one because I missed stuff on me. Day two, it starts. Okay. Now we have to look at it. Should we wait till the very last day to do this? Probably not. That's probably not good business, right? Because really it's business, but is it not good business? Because I work and I don't care. I'm not going to lose my job. So screw it. I don't Private care. Private public sectors are two different things though too, Jeff. Right? But they shouldn't be treated that way. They yeah. shouldn't be treated that way because really municipality, each municipality is a business. It is. And how do you grow your business? By you putting quality in your city and quality builds in the city are going to expand the desire to move to that city which there's more demand in your city. There's more building in your city. There's more building in your city. There's more tax dollars in your city. There's more tax dollars in your city. Your city can run more smooth. Yeah, but you, you have the ability to improve stuff. You care. But I don't want to care anymore because I'm so pissed off right now. Well, you know what? That my partner wants to change municipalities because of the incompetence. That person there. in the chair at the municipality probably stopped caring five, ten years ago or never cared at all, right? Well, and election's the, done and now, so we don't need to care again until the next election's up, and then that year we'll care. But, I, but that's Curry, when you quintessential said that politics, night, right? It was like, oh, you know, it was like, that makes so much sense. And, and if not municipality thing, from just the building department, one building thing for all of Niagara would work to start, and then you could start there and show how much more efficient it is and how much mm-hmm. happier the builders are 
And then you could say, well, it worked for this. Let's expand that right there. You know, because you could get the best of the best in the region. Not one municipality has got a, you know, a great mayor and the other one's got a mediocre mayor. Let's take the best of all 12. And then they can train the other mayors underneath them and still have different areas, right? Like you're talking about Port Deluzi They're or too Dane stubborn. City. They're too stubborn. Well, they, yes. don't wanna, they, they don't want to lose all the positions of jobs like that. Or it's no. an ego thing where one mayor doesn't want to lose the other mayor because they've got that right there, right? Yeah. But let's let's see what's best for the municipalities or the no. area. Because Niagara no. is, I think, one of the best places in the world to live, period. Absolutely agreed. But but, but if you're, you're getting, chasing a unicorn, right? Church, if you're Curtis getting the garbage the builders like coming that. here, which there are some in Niagara right now, and they've got houses that are just repetitive models that look the same, yeah. you know, we're losing the whole flavor of Niagara. There's no quality anymore. And there are some great builders out there. But if you've got you a good municipality who wants to work there and you treat yeah. them like shit and cost them tons of money and now harm their reputation, do you think they want to build there anymore? See you later. And, right? and begging, begging for help on it, begging on our dollar. And it's just anything but helping out that's happening. If you want to know which municipality I'm talking about, call me. Be happy to tell you directly. Not do it on the podcast. But I'll talk to you and show it's, you the email it, proof. It, so it's bad. Think and if of, this is just one. I'm sure there's stories like this. In all if of there's them. anyone up at Queens Park that wants to talk and reach out to Jeff, by all means, to reach out to us here on the. On, I actually on talked to an ombudsman, and they said, "Look, we can't help you. We can investigate it, but we're not going to implement change." They said, "You want to implement change? You got to go after them to 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 go after them for damages, and you got to make it so they risk money out of their pocket, or they don't care." That's what right. the ombudsman said to me. You know, like, like how sad. insane is that? How insane is it? Like, where's your, where's your pride in, in your city? You know? There's not, though, Jeff. People, That's the problem with the world, right? They don't give a shit. Like, you, you look Most at... People. You look at South Niagara, where South Niagara has, you know, larger lots and less building going on. Less density, I should say. There's lots of building going on there <laughs> because... That's the only spot that has land, but you and I have a mutual client, actually three of us do that bought a land in one of those cities and the, the, the residents don't even want change, right? The residents applied against. The, well, that's uh, a, that's different though, because in that particular case, I went to the council meeting for it. I know and the council was suspicious and this was idiotic too. Because we were taking a 29-acre parcel of land and trying to sever two two-acre parcels off of it, 27, yep. and then put a 20, uh, like a two-acre, a two-acre, and a 23. Yep. And the council was suspicious that a resident there said that we don't trust builders at all. We think they're going to put a subdivision in there, which was redundant because that would be a whole different application. Yes. Which they could shoot down. But under air of suspicion, three of the five councils shot it down, forcing our mutual client to go through a tribunal at extra cost yep. to fight it. And the difference is you've got five councils that can be swayed easily with persuasion and emotion. Mm -hmm. And then you go to tribunal and it's fact-based. Yes. Right? It's, it's, it's through the eyes of a lawyer, more or less. And once that became involved, it was a slam dunk. It was approved. But now there's an additional cost of 25 to 30 grand of carrying cost on that, you know, which, which. Well, that's legal, probably, right? Th this is taking a two acre lot and put an estate 
sized house, another two acre lot for the state sized house, and probably 23 acre, probably enhancing the values of the land and the surrounding area and actually improving that particular municipality. But people don't want change. But, but I also want to point yeah. out one thing here. Not all municipalities are bad. And this is where the one nagger comes into play. Because you could take that overseer and say, which municipalities have great working or operating um, reputations and all that. So one of them where we've had grading issues in uh, an area that we built 20 houses, there's six properties we have a problem. And in, you know, in, in, in comparison to the other municipalities, so this is B versus A, the A was the problem one, phoned up the grading engineer, said, we don't understand what you're saying. Could you meet us out there? He happily came out, spent an hour and a half with us uh, you know, during his day, and, and came up with solutions for us to fix it. That we had the homeowners out, our build company, this engineering uh, technician came out, and within one day got back to said, if you do this, this, and this, we're happy we'll sign off. Okay? So from a grading standpoint, what this municipality said, which makes sense, because you're going to have a design done for your house when you're building it that has drainage. All grading is is drainage. The water comes away from the property and doesn't flood certain areas. And then when you start digging, you have to improvise sometimes, right? You hit rock, neighbors adding a pool, blah, 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 stuff like that happens, right? So you have to improvise on every single lot. So if they say you need this exact level and this level right there, sometimes you want to kind of massage it down so it changes. You get some very new green guys that say, well, no, this is off by an inch. You need to remove the sidewalks. You got to reduce the foundation. You got to rip with that pool. And then you got experienced guys that say, you know what? This is the way we operate in this municipality. If after a severe rainstorm in 48 hours, there's no standing water, the drainage works. Is that sensible? That makes sense to me, right? Because yeah. if you're inspecting water on a property the day after a you know, tsunami of rain that comes through and people are like, hey, my backyard's wet. It's sloppy. Well, no shit. It just rained yeah. for 15 hours. Yeah. You know, like 80 millimeters of rain. But the other municipality says, you know what? It rained crazy. We came out two days after rain. We see no drainage problems here. We're good. We're good. Yeah. yeah so the, the I'm all for this one nagger just from a build standpoint. Do you well, want to get rid of red? Yeah, but then how do you reconcile that one municipality that doesn't want change with the other municipality, right? That's the that becomes the problem with I mean Well, this is a weird thing. I, I, I saw I supported Paul as well, came out Jeff. there the other day. I supported said, it as well, right? I mean, I, I, I was behind Brandon when he, he he was pushing hard for this, right? And I mean how, how do people do it? I, I know in real estate how we do it after we close the deal. We send out stuff looking for feedback on your particular realtor that we can put on Google. Do you think municipality does that at all after going through a permit to see how they can improve? That's usually what you do. Give me constructive criticism, right? But the, the funny part is, like, I love watching on Twitter the, the, the debates and you got Pierre Polivero out there talking about how it improved Canada and stuff like that. And one of the things he suggested, which I loved, is give municipalities bonuses for pushing through builds and permits and developments to help out with the assurance of supply. Sure. You know, when, when like we're from the feds? build permits, sure, whatever. Get a pool yeah. of money there. They're getting from tax dollar anyways, yeah, but yeah, benefit yeah, yeah. the city because the way real estate agents work, I work my ass off for a client. Why? Because there's incentive. At the end of the day, I get a payday. Yeah. And if I do a good job, I get a referral. Yeah. Right. And they come back. There's zero incentive on the municipality to do a good job for the permit. 
you know, we have 10 days to review it. Let's wait till the 10th day. That's probably what yep. they tell each other. These, these guys are bastards. They're asking for their permit, which they rightfully need. And they're making me feel bad. I hurt my feelings because I didn't get it done. Let's wait till the 10th day and come up with a discrepancy or deficiency, right? Yeah. Like it's bullshit. But maybe, mm-hmm. maybe put some kind of incentive program where if they get it through quickly and they have good scores and feedbacks from the builders and developers they're working for, take a pool of money, give them a bonus or something, right? Yeah. Anything well, like that to incentivize it. Because right now nothing's Ford's working. supposed to be opening stuff up there for builds, is he there, not? There right? is like, no recourse for any builder in Ontario to talk to anyone at any region municipality to talk to Ontario. And let's build houses faster. Who do I talk to? Because it's not working. There's no please, anybody out there listening to this that knows somebody that knows somebody to get back to me, talk to me about how we can implement change on this because it's not working. Since he's put in this build homes faster. It's been five times worse. Five times worse. And there's no recourse. There's no compensation. And there's no way to even give feedback on how they can improve. It's like, oh, this, this annoying builder who's providing tax money and tax revenue for us. They want to know where their permit is that they've been waiting 30 days for. That's annoying. Let's make it worse for them. That's what's happening. So. The- well, he can say bullshit all the time, but something like that. And if you only put down what people think is, and no matter what, because they're saying is wrong, that's wrong right there. Because that idea is great to incentivize municipalities to increase the productivity to help builders. And it's not just builders, because builders are building for residents in the city. But builders are slow. So taking aside all the red tape, back to today's title of FUBOC, builders are slowing down construction because their costs have gone way up their borrowing costs have gone way up so we have fewer housing starts this year than we had last year and i'm sure next year is going to be fewer until we start to see rates come down so help people increase supply stop going after demand right house prices will level off if we can get more houses built 100 prices level off more is there supply. a supply problem is there an inflation problem at that point no but but I, I don't think it's just builders holding back from it. It's the stresses of getting permits and the bullshit you got to go through to get it done. It's no longer easy. And the carrying costs because of that are adding up too. Municipalities right now, if building is slowing down, let's increase how we can help them. Make them up. We should be partners with the cities because we're making them revenue. Their revenue goes on for eternity after we finish the house in property tax alone. And we stop as soon as we collect the payday. So really... They're probably making more money off a build than we are. Yet, are at we treated like a partner sure at all? Would be. Are we treated for like sure. a partner at all? Like, if you're making six grand a year for 10 years, that's 60 grand. You know, 20 years, it's 120 grand just in property tax. That's more than a builder's making off the house. Never mind the permits, never mind the HST and all that that's getting paid for and all that. So, try to help your builders out. Don't screw them over, municipalities, please. And if anybody knows who I can talk to, way up at the top of Ontario where we can shine a light on this bullshit. I'd love to talk to him personally. And I've got all the proof and emails and timelines that you need. Reach out to Please. us. Thanks. Brand Boulevard. Thank you. Sink Lich. Thank you. Help us and help you yep. stay informed. Ciao. Bye everybody. Out.
The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jag and Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast, NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. Produced by Cryer Media and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company.